Dear friends in Christ, you know, all created things, as I said, have a purpose. And, you know, think about it. There's no created thing that was built without purpose in mind. And, you know, these intentional designs, they can range from the very obvious to even the less obvious. Now, everyone knows the purpose of, for example, a shovel, a chair, or a pencil. You know, they're used for digging, sitting, and, of course, writing. And even those things in the world that seem less pointless, too, they've got purposes. Like the hole in the top of a pop can. It's made for a purpose. Did you know that? You know, who knew that those holes were created to be turned around so that it could be a straw holder? Now, how many of you knew that? Yeah, now you do. See that? That was worth a sermon on itself, right? Yeah. Try to teach you new things. Yeah. Humanity's purpose, you know, is to be, you know, created by God. And we know that its ability to be purposefully created is really impressive. Even when the outside observer may not understand the real purpose of something they see, that doesn't deny that the item has a purpose. That's a discernment problem. It's not a problem of not having purpose. If humanity possesses the ability to create with purpose, well, it's not a stretch to argue that humanity itself was created with purpose. Implied in that statement is the reality that we have a creator. And we know that we live in times that the the mention of a creator, or God, is not very popular even. But that denial doesn't prove that created things don't have a designer. We see the beauty of creation. It's reasonable to believe that a creator exists. We know he does. We're a part of that. So we have our God. And Christians were convinced that this creator is a God who has revealed himself in the Bible and that he created men and women and children with a purpose. But many doubt that belief. Statistics show that we are suffering from a pandemic of not having purpose. And according to a a research group called Monitoring the Future, they say nearly nearly 45% of middle school students and high school students, they say that their life is not useful. And that's a stark increase from the year 2000 when only 25% of students said that of the same demographics. That's up nearly 10% from the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic also. It's not limited to teenagers. We know that the data reveals a mindset that has led both youth and adults to really suffer depression, and even under other insecurities. When we lower the value of the human person, well, that's led many to self-harm and even other destructive behaviors and addictions. And the consequences of these things are tragic. It's sad, especially when it hits close to home. Someone who's not aware of his or her purpose, well, they can face serious disappointments. In contrast to that, God assures his readers of his word that we indeed have purpose. And so in Ephesians, Paul says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. In this single verse, God declares something really incredible. He says that human beings created in his image and redeemed by the blood of Jesus through faith, we are his workmanship. This God who created the world and all that exists by speaking it into existence is the same God who created us in Christ. We know that through his word, he calls us, we who were, as Paul says, dead in our trespasses and sin, he calls us to new life. How? Through faith in Jesus. You remember back in Genesis, you know, when God was speaking all that into existence, he really called each work of his hand good. And then when he had created Adam, and he looked back at everything he created, he said it was very good. Our Father, through the redeeming work of his Son, Jesus, he now blesses believers with that same declaration of approval. And because we are God's workmanship, well, we can rest in the certainty that we're not a mistake. We're not an accident that happened. We're not, a, as they say, a blob of cells developing in a womb. We're not a bag of chemicals that are reacting to create the illusion of purpose. No, believers in Christ, we are choice, like the, the choice meats in a, a deli market. We're the carefully handcrafted treasurer. The Bible says we are the apple of God's eye. We're his creative masterpiece. And from the moment, let me get that here, if it comes up, there you go. From the moment that we were knit together in our mother's womb, as we saw in that video also, that verse, you know, God began his careful construction of his chosen object, of his redeeming work. Now we know that there is tremendous value, meaning, and purpose in being God's masterpiece. Imagine you traveling back to the time of the great artists like Da Vinci, Michelangelo, and Van Gogh. Now, you know, there isn't one of us, you know, as, you're, as they're creating their masterpiece, that uh, we would just, you know, go up and say, hey, I think you need one more star in that sky that you're painting. Or, well, perhaps, you know, you should consider taking just a little more bit of stone out of that part of the sculpture. Nor would we say when they're finished, you know, attempt to add our own brush strokes to it or maybe a, a chisel marks to their work. We wouldn't do that. We would simply enjoy the opportunity to witness the master at work. And when he's done, we would be able to take in the beauty of that work that he created. That is to say, we would appreciate its intended purpose. And yet many of us who would give one of our limbs to you know, go, do something like that, to see someone with that type of work, you know, we look in the mirror and we fail to see the beauty of God's work, his masterpiece of what he's made. In Christ, we are God's workmanship, and we're called to recognize that truth. We know that as his creative masterpiece, we were made for a purpose. And the text tells us what that purpose is. We were created to do good works. Now, humanity, you know, we know that uh, Christians even have sometimes confused good works as a means by which to obtain favor from God. But that's not what is allowed in that interpretation. God's favor is achieved before the works are even assigned. The workmanship 
It's completed. Why? So that the good works can be accomplished. And so we do good works because of who we are in Christ, because of what he's already done for us. And just as the instrument can't produce music until it's fully constructed, well, the believer's works aren't good until the master has accomplished his masterpiece. And so those good works of ours, they're really the fruits of the master's labors. And that truth illustrated in what good works really are, it's being fulfilled by us, through us, for Jesus. God creates us to accomplish his work in his way and on his behalf. And believers, you know, we accomplish good works by serving our neighbors. We're those hands and feet of Jesus. And Lutherans, we, we call this doctrine a vocation. The concept's not new, but it's one that really transforms us as we see who we are. And that vocation word, it really describes the believer's purpose. The vocation means having an idea of calling. And in the case of Christian callings, that calling comes from God. Everyone has these callings in the areas of society and family and the church. Being a child, for those who are children here, that's your calling. Being a parent is a calling. Those who are students, that's your calling right now. Being a citizen in a land, that's your calling. Each so-called occupation is a calling. And the role that you serve perhaps in church or in our school, that too is a calling. God places us in the presence of our neighbors whom we are to love on his behalf. One illustration of such a calling would be motherhood. And those of you who are mothers can appreciate this. You know, mothers are given neighbors to love. Those neighbors, they're your children. Mothers, as they serve their children by feeding them, clothing them, changing their diapers when they're young and potty training them, disciplining them and comforting them, well, they act as Jesus to their children. And according to Matthew 25, verse 40, you know, in being faithful to her duties, the mother is also serving Jesus. Jesus who is hidden in that child. As Jesus says, when you did it to one of the family of mine, you did it for me. Now, although this may sound uneventful, it's so important. When people search for purpose and meaning in their lives, they tend to look at something in the future that they can really have as a goal to accomplish. Maybe it's even the the next mission trip opportunity. Or perhaps a promotion at work. Maybe it's giving a, a, a large contribution to some important cause. You know, these are good things, and they are certainly ways to love our neighbors, but they actually account for such a small portion of our callings that God has given to believers. That doctrine of vocation, you know, in even the most routine aspects of our life, well, we have a purpose. And we are to be faithful in that calling. That's what Paul means when he has our text that he says God has good works for us to do, which he prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. So God, he chose us before the foundation of the world. We know that. And he decided what we were to be. He knew our callings. He prepared that when we were being knit in our mother's wombs, as the psalmist had said. And he knew that we had neighbors that need us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And he prepared us to be those vessels of his love. We see him hidden in those neighbors that we do serve. And these callings are not something we choose. We were placed in the paths that God has called us to. And so we walk in them. In the ordinary and sometimes boring stations of our life, we're called to be faithful. And we don't always have the privilege of seeing the final product of what God's work is accomplishing. But we walk as he calls us down, faithfully practicing to to be those neighbors to our neighbors. Why? Because he says that God is working the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, working together as a church and school for 164 years now, Trinity celebrates with our fellow Missouri Senate churches this week of, in total, serving over 180,000 students as we celebrate Lutheran Schools Week here. Special theme called Connected, based on John 15, verses 1 through 5, and especially Jesus' words when he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, who gave his life for us, for those disciples, for all people of all time, the one who died and was buried, well, we know he did rise again on that third day. And because he rose from the dead, we've got forgiveness of sins. We've got eternal life. We've got salvation. And only when we're connected by faith to Jesus do we receive the life that he gives. And we bear fruit for him. When we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, well, we know that we were connected to the vine. And he continues to connect us through his word as we read and believe it. You know, the church, it's a special place for connections. When we come to church, we connect with family and friends and fellow worshipers. And most importantly, we the branches, we connect to Jesus, that true vine. As the ministry of the church, our Lutheran schools also connect children and families to Jesus. In addition to our connections that we have in the weekly chapel gatherings that we have on Wednesday mornings, the other days we have devotions. We read his Bible and we study it. And we also have the opportunity to be able to have other vine-connecting opportunities within our school. But it's not limited to there. Connections to Jesus and being filled with that, both our church and school are fruitful places, of course. But we can also grow as we do visibly in other settings. We're commissioned to bring others to the vine so that the fruit can grow even more. A student brings the fruit home 
when they're being obedient to their parents. Teachers and pastors, we bring fruit to the families who are in crisis. Children and teachers share the fruit of the Spirit as we, through kind acts in the community, that we do for them. There may be music groups or other types of groups that can bring the fruit to places like senior living and nursing homes. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are the ones who are God's masterpiece. You are created for a purpose. You are those hands and feet of Jesus, demonstrating his love in a world that so desperately needs it. All I can say is live out that purpose. Live it in the strength that comes from him and wait joyfully for that day when we will be able to get to see his finished product in the glory of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.